Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashin. Thank you for tuning in today. A little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Be sure to visit our website, b'naibrith.org. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. Well, each year, B'nai B'rith sends a delegation of high-level representatives to the United Nations General Assembly, which convenes in New York in the fall. There, our delegation advocates for Israel with political leaders and diplomats from around the world. Given the United Nations' well-documented and long-running bias against Israel, we consider this work of advocating for Israel a key part of our organization's mission. And here to tell us about our delegation's 2019 visit to the United Nations General Assembly, or UNGA, as it is called, is David Michaels, our Director of United Nations and Intercommunal Affairs. David, welcome to the podcast. Just a a note, uh, really, uh, as a preface to our discussion, I think it's um, certainly worthwhile to mention that B'nabrith was present at the founding of the United Nations in 1945 in San Francisco, and In 1947, we received our first uh, official credentials from the UN as a non-governmental organization, an NGO. Then in 1960, uh, we opened uh, the first uh, full-time office on United Nations affairs in the Jewish community. And from that point, uh, we were represented at uh, such UN agencies as the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva and at UNESCO in Paris, in both places, uh, where today Benebritz does have representation. So with that as the, the backdrop, uh, it's important to say that uh, we're concerned about the UN. I mean, the initial promise and the initial mission of the UN in 1945, coming as it did on the ashes of the Holocaust and World War II, was to uh, create a better world, to create a world in which uh, human rights uh, would um, uh, predominate and the rights of, of small countries uh, would uh, would be heard and, and would be honored and respected, and it would be a better world. And as we know, it didn't quite turn out that way. And especially for Israel, uh, Israel has been on the receiving end of so much opprobrium uh, at the UN and, and its various agencies. And so our mission over the years has really become very much focused on uh, trying to set the record straight and to advocating for Israel uh, within uh, that organization. Uh, So with that, um, as I've noted, we've just concluded our yearly high-level advocacy marathon on the sidelines of the General Assembly. And uh, we had a few issues that uh, were at the top of our agenda. And David, why don't you talk about those issues and uh, about uh, some of the meetings or some of the countries, really, with whom we met Uh, and uh, what we were uh, prioritizing this year. Sure. Well, you know, our priorities uh, diverge on occasion from those of uh, the UN system itself. Uh, As you know, uh, the GA, uh, the yearly GA session uh, tends to start with a few thematic high-level summit meetings. Uh, this year, there were meetings on, on climate action, on, on health coverage, on sustainable development, uh, on nuclear weapons, ironically enough, uh, for those of us who have been concerned uh, over and disappointed by uh, the UN's record uh, on that issue, particularly as it regards to uh, Iran. 
Uh, but our priorities, uh, uh, you know, have been uh, consistent with those uh, that we've had over the course of years. Regrettably, we haven't seen much progress on a number of these fronts. First, Iran clearly uh, dominating uh, our focus, uh, Iranian policies of uh, supporting terrorist organizations across the Middle East and beyond, uh, Hezbollah, Hamas, uh, the uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, the Houthis in Yemen. We've, we've seen this crescent from Lebanon uh, going through Syria, Iraq to Yemen, and uh, belligerent actions far beyond Saudi Arabia just recently, uh, and uh, Iran's uh, uh, commitment to the destruction of Israel, uh, along uh, with its sponsorship of these proxies, have had us uh, and our partners deeply concerned for many, many years. Uh, beyond that, uh, uh, the Palestinian issue, uh, what we would have called the Arab-Israeli conflict until just recently. Uh, fortunately, we've seen some progress, uh, at least behind the scenes, uh, a bit of an alignment uh, between many uh, key Sunni Arab states and Israel. Now the, the, the conflict really is far more limited uh, to, to one with, with the Palestinians. And so Palestinian engagement in terrorism, Palestinian incitement, continued rejection of uh, Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state, continued rejection of direct peace talks with Israel and U.S.-led uh, peace efforts. This clearly uh, is always toward the top of our uh, agenda. Uh, finally, as you've alluded to, uh, U.N. bias, systemic bias against Israel uh, is something that we continue to take a lead in, in tackling. We see a more condemnation of Israel uh, within so, so many U.N. bodies, not only more than any other single member state, but often more than all member states combined. So looking at uh, looking at UNESCO, looking at the Human Rights Council, some of these bodies that you've, you've mentioned, but also elements of, of the UN bureaucracy. Here at the Secretariat in New York, there are permanent units dedicated to the promulgation of the Palestinian political narrative, frankly, to, to Palestinian propaganda uh, against Israel. We see UNRWA on the ground in the Middle East, uh, not only facing charges of systemic corruption, but also engaged in years, uh, for years, in promoting uh, incitement, one-sided narratives against Israel. Uh, and finally, as, as one uh, additional point, last but, but certainly not least, uh, we bring to the attention of, of world leaders with whom we meet uh, the, the scourge of, of global anti-Semitism. Uh, from the Middle East to Europe, Latin America, beyond, uh, anti-Semitism and and now a more contemporary form of anti-Semitism in, in uh, you know namely anti-Zionism this virulent uh, hatred for Israel and Zionists uh, this is something that we take the opportunity to uh, to raise with the dozens of world leaders that we we encounter this time of year yeah I was going to mention uh, the discussion about anti-Semitism and particularly uh, now we meet with about uh, well nearly uh, uh, let's say, 40 countries or so, more or less, so representatives of 40 countries. Uh, and included amongst them are, are countries uh, where uh, the spike in anti-Semitism has, uh, has really been dramatic, and it has given us an opportunity um, to, um, to discuss uh, that. Um, you might want to talk a little bit, David, about the meeting that we had prior 
uh, to the opening of the General Assembly with the Secretary General, uh, Secretary General Guterres, where we, we talked about some of these issues in advance of, of the opening of the General Assembly. Absolutely. Well, uh, Secretary General Guterres, as you know, is a uh, former uh, Prime Minister of Portugal. Uh, he's someone who brings uh, a genuinely deep familiarity with uh, and sensitivity to Jews' history, Jews' history of persecution, of disenfranchisement. Uh, and he's someone who, we have to say, in his, what, less than, than three or just about three years at the helm of the UN, has, at least in his personal capacity, spoken out quite forcefully on the question of anti-Semitism and even the question of anti-Zionism. Uh, he's said outright that the denial of Israel's right to exist uh, is a form of anti-Semitism. And within a UN context where Israel, as you've said, uh, is so often singled out, not only for demonization, uh, but for delegitimization, and we saw a bit of it again uh, during this very session of the GA and also in Geneva uh, at the Human Rights Council, for the Secretary General to at least uh, take that public stand uh, on this question is critically important. So we met with him uh, in the very busy weeks before the start of, of the, uh, the general debate, the high-level segment uh, that, that uh, kicks off the General Assembly uh, session. Uh, and we raised these very issues, uh, Iran, anti-Semitism, the Palestinian-Israeli issue, uh, UN bias. Uh, but we also, importantly, we took the opportunity to, to give him uh, affirmation and, and to, to recognize those steps that he has taken uh, that have been positive. Just recently, uh, Secretary General Guterres has met with uh, the parents of Hadar Goldin, one of uh, two Israeli servicemen uh, uh, being held in Gaza, their, their remains, uh, by Hamas over the course of years. Uh, those two are in addition to two Israeli citizens uh, who have been held uh, in Gaza for years now. And while we haven't seen uh, humanitarian organizations and intergovernmental organizations effectively and seriously uh, uh, speak out and take action on this issue for the Secretary General to at least uh, be seen uh, highlighting the plight of these Israeli civilians, these Israeli civilian families, years uh, after the deaths, in this case, of, of two, two boys, uh, two service members, uh, is important. Uh, we, and, uh, we, we also talked uh, about the, the need for there to be um, – a special representative, uh, could be called something else, uh, on anti-Semitism, a, a, a position that is dedicated to, to monitoring, tracking, and, and ultimately speaking out uh, against anti-Semitism uh, in the world. And, and that's um, something that uh, the UN has various special uh, uh, rapporteurs and representatives, uh, but uh, for there to be a position uh, specifically devoted to that um, could make uh, an important difference uh, in um, not only in understanding the extent of anti-Semitism in the world today, but also uh, at least uh, helping to, um, uh, to, to do something about it. Absolutely. Um, regarding the Palestinians, one of the issues that we raised, and you, you just uh, referred to it, is uh, the question of the funding for these, these special Palestinian committees, uh, which came about 
uh, in the, the wake of the Zionism equals racism uh, resolution uh, back in the mid-1970s. Um, and uh, you might want to talk about those committees. Um, the funding is an annual matter, which is um, voted upon by the General Assembly. Um, and um, we believe uh, that this funding should end. Uh, and um, the reason being that uh, for an organization that uh, purports uh, to uh, seek uh, some kind of negotiated agreement between Israelis and Palestinians to have within uh, its own body, under its own roof, uh, agencies uh, devoted, uh, committees devoted especially to advancing the Palestinian narrative uh, is, um, is something which is destructive to the objective of seeking peace, uh, not uh, something which supports it. So let's talk about those committees and uh, how we posited the argument about why this funding is unnecessary. Well, uh, you know, there are any number of bodies that that deal with this issue in an incredibly unhelpful way, and unhelpful is an understatement. Uh, here in New York, uh, we have the, a division on Palestinian rights. We have a special committee to investigate Israeli practices. We have a committee that's called the Committee on the Inalienable Rights of the Palestinian People. The Palestinians are the only people in the world who enjoy an international day every year at the UN dedicated to their cause and often dedicated to their cause uh, at the expense of Israel's rights, Israel's narrative, uh, and envision uh, Israel's very uh, existence. Those committees, to the tune of millions and millions of dollars, this at a time of incredible need globally, uh, at a time uh, when so many governments are hard-pressed uh, to make good on their dues and to justify to their citizens uh, the passing along of uh, taxpayer funds to an international body when needs aren't being met, millions and millions of dollars being spent uh, to hold conferences around the world echoing the Palestinian extreme version of the Palestinian narrative, echoing an extreme version of the Palestinian uh, political agenda and goals. Uh, so this is something, as you've said, uh, that we've spoken about uh, consistently. UNRWA as well. We've seen some changes. Uh, UNRWA, of course, is to take one more example of a double standard vis-a-vis uh, -vis Israel and the Palestinians in the UN system. UNRWA stands apart. It's the United Nations Relief and Works Agency uh, for Palestine refugees in the Near East. Uh, and at the UN, there's one body, the Office of the High Commissioner for Refugees in Geneva, dedicated to uh, addressing the the real needs of refugees around the world, and one standalone body operating on very very different and incredibly political and 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 uh, unhelpful terms, uh, the the question of Palestinian refugees. That body, as I mentioned, engages in all kinds of incitement, particularly but not only at times of conflict. We see UNRWA schools, whose uh, teachers at times have been complicit uh, in terrorist organizations and in, in very extreme examples. We've seen schools, uh, whether knowingly or not, uh, that have been used uh, by terrorist organizations like Hamas to store uh, a weaponry uh, for use against Israel or, or weapon, weapons have been used in the vicinity of those facilities uh, against Israel. Uh, camps that are run by UNRWA where, where uh, innocent Palestinian children are being taught 
to uh, remain entangled in this perpetual cycle of, of violence against Israel. Uh, there's been a bit of a change on the UNRWA front, unlike many of those other bodies that you've alluded to, on account of reports that have emerged over the last few months of corruption and impropriety uh, systemically uh, at UNRWA. So we're hoping, now that we've seen a number of democracies uh, around the world, uh, notably in, in, in Europe, uh, but also elsewhere, uh, take a stand to suspend funding of UNRWA, we believe that now is, is a critical moment to either dramatically, thoroughly reform uh, that body or replace it, because we're doing no service uh, to Palestinians, let alone any, any Palestinians who actually qualify for the designation of refugees uh, for their needs and their situation to be catered to by a body like this. Actually, the... Um, uh, investigation, if you will, into the, into the corruption charges, uh, which is now ongoing, um, has really led to uh, other actions by several countries, particularly European countries, that have been contributing to NGOs who operate uh, in, uh, particularly in Gaza, um, to um, advance uh, a, a, a narrative, an anti-Israel narrative, a narrative of hate, and uh, has prompted uh, the withdrawal of some of that funding. Uh, right. So um, it's, um, this is, these are important developments uh, within the UN system. Of course, so much more needs to be done, uh, but um, it is important uh, that, you, that we mention UNRWA today because it does touch on this entire issue and which has now gone on for 70-plus years, of um, creating this, within the UN, this pro-Palestinian narrative. Now, regarding the Palestinians, Mahmoud Abbas, the, the president of the Palestinian Authority, again represented uh, what is uh, prematurely and unhelpfully dubbed the state of Palestine at the UN. Uh, what message did he bring in his presentation uh, before the General Assembly. And we should say that the leaders of all of the various delegations over a period of several days um, each address the UN. Uh, the, right. the prime ministers of, uh, of Europe and, and presidents from around the world and uh, our president and, and others, everybody makes a speech. Um, what message did Abbas bring to this particular General Assembly? Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, for uh, a man who's seen as representing uh, the more uh, moderate, the comparably moderate, the more mainstream wing of uh, Palestinian politics, uh, but more importantly, as the central figure at this moment in Palestinian political life, uh, both on the ground and on the world stage, uh, President Abbas, uh, sadly, uh, only uh, served up both to the international community and his own people more of the same uh, at the UN. Uh, he spoke yet again, uh, in fact, in, you know, in my view, uh, in some ways, uh, uh, in, in, in terms that, that were uh, more destructive than in the past, spoke of legitimizing the use of, quote, all means in, quote, resistance against Israel, a clear signal that not only uh, nonviolent but also violent means are legitimate 
uh, in Palestinians' uh, struggle with and against Israel. He spoke yet again uh, of comparing uh, Israel, the Middle East's sole pluralistic democracy, to uh, the apartheid policies of, of South Africa, which is something that's both objectionable and um, patently false. Uh, and anyone who knows Israel knows its diversity, not only on, on religious grounds, but on ethnic grounds, on national grounds, uh, with a very large Arab, Muslim, and Christian minority, to, to, n to say nothing of others. Uh, it's incredibly uh, inaccurate and misleading. It's, it's false, and it's a libel. Uh, Bas spoke uh, yet again uh, in rejection of US-led uh, peace efforts. Uh, and finally, he ended his speech. It was uh, maybe a 15-minute speech with very little that was positive in it. Uh, he personally spoke of being prepared on this question of, of UNRWA uh, and this question of funding. Uh, our, our friends uh, uh, among uh, Israel's representatives, but also others, uh, here in our own government uh, at home have spoken about the Palestinians' pay-to-slay policy, Abbas's practice of continuing to subsidize and reward uh, terrorists and their families. Here we had at the General Assembly Hall of the UN, uh, President Abbas saying explicitly that he would give his very last penny to people he described as martyrs uh, and to people who we know are imprisoned terrorists. If Palestinians are going to claim that their needs are so great and they're going to claim that their aspiration is peace, that flies in the face of this type of message uh, from the president of the Palestinian Authority. Well, there's there's no question uh, that um, he continues to lead uh, his uh, people down a, a path of rejection uh, and um, the General Assembly podium and rostrum uh, has been used by him now year in and year out uh, to do uh, more of the same. With regard to pay uh, for slay, um, this was a point which we did raise in our various meetings uh, throughout the week, and um, it's a point that uh, I think is known by a number of, of countries. The question is whether they will say anything about it or do anything about it. We become uh, not very sanguine about that, but it is always important to, to raise it. And the fact that he did stand before the entire General Assembly and say this uh, only underscores the difficulty, uh, the frustration uh, that uh, many have experienced and have uh, to, the, to the present day uh, with uh, trying to advance uh, the cause of, uh, of peace and a negotiated peace when you have one side uh, that continues to speak as it does and as Mahmoud Abbas did at the General Assembly. If one more issue, uh, David, before we conclude. We spoke of Geneva, which is where the UN Human Rights Council is based and where we do have representation. Um, it's particularly uh, known and infamous for its anti-Israel bias. Uh, it also convened this past month. It convenes, I think, three times during the year. Um, what did B'nai B'rith have to say during this new session uh, of the Human Rights Council? Well, as you've said, uh, B'nai B'rith uh, not only is accredited uh, to uh, the council, uh, but we have a presence 
a permanent presence at the UN uh, uh, facilities in Geneva, which serve as a, a, a European hub for uh, the UN system. Uh, we spoke uh, in that capacity. We had the opportunity to speak under two items uh, in this uh, during this council uh, session. Uh, the first being um, item four, which addresses uh, human rights around the world, and the second being under item seven, uh, which, as I think our, our listeners uh, likely know, is the only permanent uh, agenda item at the Human Rights Council singling out uh, one country for scrutiny and condemnation, and that country, of course, uh, is Israel. Uh, under item four, we took the opportunity to speak urgently, and the urgency was made clear yet again just over recent weeks, uh, and is shared uh, by uh, not only uh, the Israelis, but also, again, many of, the, uh, many of its Arab neighbors in the region. We spoke urgently of the threat posed by Hezbollah uh, that uh, massive Iranian-sponsored uh, terrorist organization, movement, militia uh, in, in Lebanon, based in Lebanon. We know that Hezbollah is now the single largest military and political force uh, in Lebanon and has, has used that perch uh, explicitly to threaten rockets and to direct rockets, it's estimated around 100,000 of them, if not more, at potentially every site in Israel, including sites of, of paramount strategic importance and sensitivity. Hezbollah has uh, time and time again, despite the fact that Israel, that there's no conflict whatsoever between uh, Lebanon and Israel, Israel is in possession of not one inch of Lebanese territory, and yet this radical jihadist movement uh, bankrolled uh, and organized by, uh, by Iran continues to hold sway uh, in Lebanon to pose a grave threat uh, both to Israel uh, and to so many others around the world uh, in places where Hezbollah has, has operated. So that was our statement under item four. Uh, under item seven, uh, you made uh, allusion a, a bit earlier uh, to Zionism as racism. Uh, we took the opportunity uh, to comment on a, a fairly rare event in Geneva uh, that, that took place uh, just recently, and that was a first-time uh, uh, scrutiny of Palestinians' record on the question of racial discrimination. And on that otherwise notably positive uh, or important occasion, uh, the Palestinian ambassador in Geneva uh, showed his true colors and his uh, uh, the Palestinian Authority's true colors by invoking without challenge uh, the canard of Zionism is racism, which, uh, uh, as we know, uh, was discredited and rejected at the UN uh, nearly 30 years ago. Uh, so we spoke to that issue. Now, to close, on one positive development in Geneva, over the last few weeks, and we'll see uh, this further play out over the next few weeks. Uh, for the first time, a special rapporteur at the Human Rights Council, uh, someone named Ahmed Shahid, who is the special rapporteur on religious freedom, has issued a draft report on global anti-Semitism uh, to which we've contributed. Uh, he's also uh, echoed our call 
for a high-level representative uh, within the UN system to tackle anti-Semitism, among other important points. And coming, while undoubtedly uh, this report, a draft of which we've seen, uh, isn't going to be perfect and can certainly be, uh, be built upon, uh, to see a step like this coming from a former foreign minister of a majority Muslim country like the Maldives, uh, someone who also was the special rapporteur on Iran, is incredibly important, and we hope that it's the sign of more positive steps moving forward. Well, David, thank you for this uh, update on um, B'nai B'rith's uh, week in New York at the opening of the UN General Assembly. Also, uh, the comments about Geneva, where uh, we continue to remain active uh, as, uh, as an NGO uh, in that uh, body of the Human Rights Council. Um, extremely important, uh, particularly uh, in this uh, time where we're in the beginning of the new Jewish year. And uh, it's good to have you on the program uh, to talk about it. Thank you. Um, Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Please visit our website, benabrith.org, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about us. For my guest, David Michaels, I'm Dan Mary Ashen. We'll talk to you next time on the Benabrith International Podcast. 